Greetings. Welcome to the Ontic Protective Intelligence Podcast. I'm Chuck Randolph, Ontic's Chief Security Officer. From 30 years as a military officer and over 25 transforming corporate security teams to function beyond their traditional roles, protection, risk management, and threat mitigation have been front and center throughout my career. This podcast series will explore the turbulent world of risk, security, and protective strategies through conversations with leaders and innovators in the field. Now, on to the discussion. Well, this is a special edition of the Ontic Protective Intelligence Podcast. I'm joined with fellow CCI member, Mr. Fred Burton. Sir, always good to share a microphone with you. And uh, from across the water, our good friend, Ross Hill uh, from Insight Forward. Ross, Fred, uh, welcome and good morning. Morning, Chuck. Morning, Fred. Good morning. Good morning. You know, as we as we record this, we're looking at over 600 days of the Russia, Ukraine, um, Russia's invasion in Ukraine. And of course, we're looking uh, towards the Middle East and uh, issues. We're going on what week week two of a uh, Israeli Hamas war. Of course, there, there's always always things looming in the Far East. And then there's always issues in, in crises in the South. I mean, Fred, we, we are seemingly in something that we like to call it Antic and others like to call uh, a sense of permacrisis. And with that comes a lot of emotion, a lot of risk fatigue and, and a lot of uh, what I would say difficult times to do your day job, but also keep your, your eye cast on all these, these critical events. I mean, can you like put some perspective to all this for us? Well, first, Chuck, thanks for having me on. And it's an honor to be here with you and uh, Ross. Uh, you know, from my perspective, you look at this historically, having been in this business for a while, you certainly could go back. Like Many of us will be listening to this and think about your time uh, in whether it be Afghanistan, Iraq, uh, or wherever, wherever you might have served. And I think it's critical for companies now to to set back and think about the ramifications, not only to their staff, that they might have a good understanding of their footprint and their locational information and so forth and notifications and travel safety and all the usual boxes that you would check. But I think the impact in the Israeli-Hamas war is a little bit different because of our close relationship with uh, Israel and the and the scope of concern for just staff that that might have friends and family inside the country. So, uh, you know, I've answered several questions from folks around that that issue, and you know, how do you how do you grapple with that in the workplace? To me, is one of those kinds of issues that not only affect corporate security but also impact corporate legal, HR, uh, and so forth. So, uh, I'd love to know what Ross might think about that. Yeah, thanks, Fred. Yeah, the, definitely we're in an environment now where for companies, you know, they have this kind of multi-stakeholderism where everybody interacts with the company, whether they're an employee, a customer, a client, however you want to describe it, the board, um, you know, they they want that company to kind of have a shared value system w with mm. them individually. 
And, and Israel and Hamas in particular is a very, very emotive issue on, on both sides. And so it's very difficult for companies, I think, to think about how, how do we deal with kind of our employees or our clients and customers that, that may have like support for the Palestinians or may have support for for the Israeli side of things and kind of, you know, how, how that clashes internally and externally. You know, it's interesting because many, many corporations probably don't want to have anything to do with geopolitics, but seemingly, you know, to both your points, they keep getting pulled in. Yeah, you can't, you can't escape geopolitics now. Um, you know, the, the, the direct impacts that it's starting to have with these kind of crisis situation, the wars that, that are popping up for, for multinational corporations, it is inescapable. And you, and you, you know, as as a security organisation, you know, you have to have the awareness of that, and you have to be thinking of that and what's around the corner as well as what's happening now. Yeah, and to piggyback on what you said there, Ross, uh, you know, for me, watching the evolution of not only the development of the protective intelligence programs uh, for multinational corporations globally. I mean, we still have a lot of ways to go with a lot of companies not there yet. But looking at the development of these geopolitical think tanks, for a lack of better words, uh, to try to make sense of the geopolitical threats, because I think you said it so well, companies uh, have to factor in geopolitics and, and the work they're doing today because of all the different ramifications that we're watching unfold now, not only with the Israeli-Hamas war, but Ukraine and the South China Sea, and the and the list just goes on and on and on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We're definitely away a little bit from, you know, what you might think about as sort of proximity risk that we might have dealt with a lot a few years ago, where you know what what's happening in the vicinity of of our assets physically. You know that might cause us a problem, and now we're having to think much more broadly about how how is geopolitics shaping and developing, and what are the actual implications of that, which is something slightly different. Well, gentlemen, yeah. how do we fight the how do we fight the what we would have called in former lives the the BBC effect? And no, you know, no offense to that amazing institution in your neck of the woods, Ross, but this idea that like, <laughs> hey, the board, the CEO, the boss, I heard on CNN, Fox, BBC, this, but that's news and may not be, uh, and uh, may not be germane to the company or germane to the operations. Well, I think, Chuck, uh, if you wind back the clock, I think starting with COVID, the emphasis on global security, geopolitics really started to, in many ways, elevate the corporate security programs at many companies that I've spoken to into having the proverbial seat at the table to try to help decision makers make sense of what's unfolding. So if you had developed a good baseline with during the COVID lockdowns, certainly the Ukrainian war uh, is something that uh, caught everybody's attention. And now we're dealing with this this current crisis, which which it doesn't appear is going to stabilize anytime soon, and in fact could get worse if threat actors like Hezbollah enter into the fray and so forth. So I think there's a natural desire, even if the C-suite or the CEO doesn't want to admit it, Ross and Chuck, your employees are still glued to 
BBC or NPR, whatever they're watching, because they're trying to stay abreast of current events. So that's the reality of the workforce. I I think about Gulf War One and a little something that came out of that called that was lovingly called by some combat news network, CNN, and the ability to to look at the 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 conflict, if you will, unfold in what we thought was real time. And now fast forward to, you know, 2023 and what we thought was real time was light years beyond like real time. We are so close to the bang issue that it's it's almost frightening. I mean, and I, I think there's something in that for leaders and, and monitors of risk, too, because you're just inundated with with the information that's coming in. I mean, Ross, how do we how, you know, you're the analyst of the crew. Um, I mean, how do how do we deal with that? Yeah, the, I think just to sort of start with on that, you know, the proliferation of mis and disinformation from the current Israel Hamas war seems to be way above anything I've seen previously. Even you know, we thought Russia Ukraine was bad, and this this is you, you know multiple times uh, worse than that. I think, um, and and that's led to you know, some interesting challenges about understanding really what's happening on the ground and how things are developing. And I think to deal with any kind of, you know, consuming and triaging information, you know, you have to make sure that you're getting your processes right and you're getting your checks and balances right. And you're, and you're treating that information in, in the way you would always treat kind of any, any information, you know, how are you kind of verifying the source of that information and then how you kind of verifying the information itself because I've seen around this quite a lot of like immediate reporting of things that are coming out on social media without seemingly any triage so you know there were reports a while ago that Hezbollah had entered the conflict and I think there's this desire amongst some to want to be I don't know first to report uh, or to prove that they're outlook or their forecast was the correct one and so they're getting some of those biases kind of creep into their work and and i I think as you sort of go through your multiple crises that you're being involved in you have to kind of understand your processes have to understand your structures and you have to make sure you're kind of continually working to those and keep keeping that that checked We'll get back to the conversation in just a moment. But first, I wanted to tell you about the Ontix Center for Connected Intelligence. In the world of safety, security, and protection, we know that gathering and sharing information is crucial. That is why we created the Ontix Center for Connected Intelligence. The center is a hub for the ongoing exchange of security strategies and best practices, insights on current and past trends, and sharing valuable learnings through expert discussion and analysis. It's made up of seasoned experts with decades of experience across a wide range of disciplines. To find blogs, podcasts, webinars, white papers, and more, check out the center by visiting ontic.co slash center. That's ontic.co backslash center. Fred, how do you, now what's our duty to our employees, I, I kind of would add what Ross just said about mis disinformation. We have playbooks, but I, I believe you are correct. We, there's also 
a group of people out there pushing buttons, writing code, making coffee, whatever it might be, that are getting fed a lot of information from various sources that could be good, could be bad. I mean, as leaders, what's our duty to those folks? At, at what point do we step in and, and offer suggestion or just offer comfort? I think that uh, in our space uh, that it it greatly behooves us as security practitioners, Chuck and and Ross, to help the workforce make sense of the world from a strategic threat perspective as well as from a tactical impact. Meaning, let's face it, we have and we work with a lot of families that have young kids in schools and so forth. They're worried about everything from active shooters to how does the war impact us to travel considerations and so forth. And I I think uh, in the nature of our business, we're always going to be working in these shades of gray to where we're doing a fair amount of just trying to help staff and even the bosses make sense of what be, might be taking place around the world. I, I just think that that's great customer service. And I, although it may not be in our job description per se, that uh, it's incumbent upon us uh, to to do that as security leaders. I think you're absolutely right. There's a, I think there's a moment in any crisis where you need a calm voice. Um, you know, we bring Ross on because he's got that calm British voice, and everybody automatically likes that. Uh, but I do think in a, in a stressful situation, there does need to be somebody with a calm voice that says, "Let's maybe." take a look at this and, and put some perspective around it. Uh, you know, we say a lot at work, you know, Fred, you and I deal with a lot of organizations and, and help advise a lot of people. And we often say, we're not here to tell you how to think. We're here to offer things to think about or what to think, because I think Ross, you were alluding earlier to the emotional status of everything flying around. And somebody has to step back and say, so what to the organization, which is hard, I think you know, hard as citizens, or if you were a former government or military, you know, or, or like I said, you know, people care deeply about other people in harm's way, regardless of race, color, or creed. And that all starts to, to have some effect. I mean, um, agree, disagree with that? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think Fred made a, a really good point earlier about COVID and how so many security teams became like that primary kind of source of information response you know i think that's because security teams are generally very good at being that voice of reason and you know trying to have that balanced approach and trying to think about it in that so what to the organization aspect and and as difficult as it can be, remove some of the emotional aspects of it, which can be really hard sometimes, based on especially now, based on the kind of images and videos that you see on social media and the reporting of the things that, that have occurred, you know, to to remain kind of, you know, mm -hmm. balanced to that is, is hard. I would like to ask you guys a couple questions, if I may, meaning uh, I think we have a pretty good pulse collectively of what's transpiring currently throughout the world as it might pertain to Russia, Ukraine, Hamas, uh, Israeli war. What do you think companies should be thinking about that perhaps they're not? 
Yeah, I, that's the question, Fred. That is the the hard, the easy and hard question. I mean, easy because I, Ross referred earlier. Hopefully, you've done and created a playbook by which you, you know. Let's dust it off if it, if it's been on the shelf for a while or in the back of the old uh, Commodore sixty four, and look at it and say, are we following it? Now, the difficult part on that is, I think, again, we're we're, we're human beings. Um, we're creatures of bias. It, we have to fight it every day. And we have we have to be able to tune down that emotion switch and say, hey, look, have we examined insider threat issues? Have we examined um, facilities or our entities, their location? Uh, do we know which areas would be most affected? Should, you know, uh, course of action A or B happen? And that's where we we include our, you know, our protective intel analysts. Give us the red team. Give us the what if. And then start working the playbooks and then stopping at the end of the day and say, and as a leader saying, what am I doing? Who have I told who needs to know? I mean, Ross, what, what would you add to that? We, and you know, we've worked together on, on things before. So I think we've done a lot of tandem work on this. Yeah. Um, I think if you, if you look at the, the couple of major conflicts going on now, you know, they're not new you know they they've they come kind of emanate from historical you know issues and ideologies uh and then look at say nagorno karabakh with armenia and azerbaijan same thing uh i think what you really need to look at, do somewhat is kind of take a bit of a look back at the moment as you know we we got this massively globalized world that seems to be deglobalizing and pulling itself apart a little bit so we do need to look back at kind of okay where where do those fractures already exist and how are they exacerbated by what's going on something i've talked about previously on on other things is i changed my mindset in in how i looked at things to when I start looking at where risks are, what's going to accelerate that risk, what's going to amplify that risk, or what is going to catalyze a new risk, because you know Fred's been, Fred and you have been around a bit longer, you can see things happening in cycles. You can see, you know, old risks re-emerging, and I think understanding that is is really, really, really important. You're talking. Are you talking about blips and trends, perhaps? <laughs> blips and trends, also. Yeah, yeah. You know what? What? What are actual trends in in the security environment or the geopolitical environment? What are smaller blips? You know that that we maybe don't need to respond to. Not everything's a crisis. And I think there's a habit actually in security of, you know, once you get into crisis mode suddenly kind of it feels like everything is a crisis or sometimes in a in a business yeah you know got into a rhythm of dealing with significant issues and so you get into the rhythm of dealing it with dealing with it in that particular way and trying to recognize you might not need to do that and applying your resources in the best way is, is also a, a good idea well i mean if you think about it we are look most people I know who are in security, even if you came, you know, if if you didn't come from the traditional background, so to speak, they're all first responders at some level. I mean, I'm not conflating that we're first responders like fire or something else, but where we are in our moment, we're first responders in those organizations. And I think people do feel it passionately and passionately. And we do. I mean, 
the 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 bell goes off and here we go. You know, we come Fred and I come out of the out of the corner get ready to duke it out, but maybe understanding like when to tone it down, you know, that that comes with some time, I think. I don't know, Fred, what would you add to that? Well, I think Ross said something that uh is so true from a historical perspective as as I think the three of us are students of history to to some degree. It's uh, you know, my my books, my writings go back to the 70s and the 80s for the most part. And, you know, I'll, I'll never forget as a young agent walking into our counterterrorism branch and and my boss, who had been around a while, you know, through these old case files on my desk from these radical Palestinian attacks that had, uh, in, you know, resulted in the deaths of uh, American diplomats in, in Beirut and Khartoum and in, in hostage takings and so forth and said, you know, you need to study these because these kinds of tactics are are never going to go away. And, you know, here we are, what, 40, 50 years later, and and we're still dealing with the same issues. Uh, so. Well, Fred, I'd, I'd like to ask you that same question that you asked Ross and I mean, what what would we add to this list of of what uh, organizational you know, security leaders should be thinking about or what organizations should be considering in looming multiple crises? Well, I think Ross touched on something that, uh, you know, quite frankly, I think a lot of corporate security departments don't think about, meaning the processes or perhaps the baseline threat assessment that they might have done, let's say, three years ago before COVID, and then maybe a post-COVID kind of threat assessment, I think it's always good in moments like this to revisit those baseline threat assessment and assumptions, uh, try to turn that into a a more of a living threat assessment, which um, you whether, whether you want to look at that on a quarterly basis or whatever, and uh, adjust accordingly and, and just be flexible when it comes to the kinds of requests that you're going to get and you know, try to do a fair amount of education for your staff on what this might mean to not only the company, but also what it might mean to Ross Hill or Chuck Randolph or to that person that's sitting in the crowd that, that may not want to answer that question. Yeah, that, that's good. That's really good. And, and it is a time also, I think, you know, adding to that, we have the idea of that we, we talked about the playbook. And if if uh, reaction one is react to crisis, we can come up, I think, with a generalized framework that most probably have around that. I mean, thoughts on that, Ross, Fred? Well, I think um, from an intelligence perspective, you, you know, certainly I'm I'm an advocate for having, you know, worked out together those intelligence requirements um, you know, whether they're kind of like a bit like what Fred just said, the the standing intelligence requirements that are giving you kind of your constant monitoring of the general situation and then your understanding of how things might be emerging or developing or, or changing versus some kind of more immediate requirements that you know that you're going to need in a crisis situation. And I, th- I think it if you can have at least just like a, a first, you know, few of like, okay, so when something goes bang somewhere, 
these are the immediate things that we need to know. You know, that's really helpful in terms of kind of helping your decision making along and helping your understanding along of, of what's happening. Because the, wor- the worst thing you ever got in a crisis was like, tell me what's happening in Egypt. And it's like, I, you know, it's difficult to deal with that. But it's like, you know, where are our offices in Egypt? You know, are there protests mm-hmm. occurring, you know, near to those offices or how far away are they? And you're know, building some questions on that. Um, I, I think is, you know, you can put into kind of like some kind of like process or sort of playbook type situation. Yeah. You know, I think about, you know, we made, I think about the organizational flinch, speaking of like a using like a boxing, you know, Mike Tyson said, everything's great. The plans are great until you get punched in the face. So I think one of the things organizations want to consider is how do I fight through an organizational flinch so that we can get to the response? Like, the moment things are happening, all emotions are on, they're on 11. Everyone's running around. I think you're onto something there. Like, hey, this is the time to just pull that out. Let's do the first five things on this checklist of reaction so we can get through that moment and get to the other side so we can react. I mean, what am I missing in that, Fred? No, I think you're right. I think, uh, you know, the the evolution, too, of uh, the, the G-Sox to me on a practical level is something that uh, as your center of gravity for the management of those data flows that are coming in. So your analysts like Ross can can help make sense of what they're seeing from a big picture. So I think that there's a lot to be said for some of the, well, let me say this. I think we don't give ourselves a fair amount of credit for what already is in place. Yeah, absolutely. and recognizing that uh, we do have a lot of systems and processes that we can call upon to, to help us make better decisions as as security and, leaders. And maybe it's that moment in the flinch that we maybe sometimes need to be reminded, you know, like take a, a post-it note and write, you have resources and put it on your monitor to remember, hey, I can. I, it's not all on me. I, it's not all on me to make make and understand all of it right now. Part of it could be as simple as we're finding out, we're developing the situation, we'll respond to you as soon as we we can make sense of it. I mean, I, I think there's something to that a lot. Just a quick reminder that you have resources. Even if you're a one-person show, you have some resources that will help you. And also, I think, uh, you know, in, in fairness to us too, collectively, from an analytical and from an intelligence perspective, we're sitting here today realizing that this is a dynamic environment that yes in all probability the israelis are going to go into gaza at some point so what should we be anticipating as a result of that mm-hmm. and secondarily if god forbid hezbollah enters into the fray what should we anticipate from a ramification to that uh and I think that's where, from an analytical perspective, having those either outside experts you can call upon to anticipate those kinds of shifts or some sort of embedded analytical capacity to be able to already know what that means to your business. Fred, somewhere Dr. Treston right now is raising his hand going, red team, red team, red team. (laughs) Um, Any thoughts to add to that, Ross? Not the not the Dr. Trust and comment. <laughs> no, no, that's that's absolutely right. I, you know, I think one of 
one of the other dangers i suppose is is carrying on getting caught up in the in the day to day of of what's going on that you know there is there is obviously often a need for situational awareness of of what is happening on a daily basis but then the reality in in the analytical capacity and then the planning capacity has to be with what fred said in your forecasting and your indicators uh, and understanding you know under each scenario how you think this is going to develop and what that means to you and the organization and then yeah. going back to to what fred said earlier and how what is our response both to to enable the c-suite to enable or, or to comfort our employees if you'll allow me that and then you know to help develop the situation as we move on. I mean, uh, what, I mean, <clears throat> in our final few moments here, I mean, what would we be missing? Or if somebody's listening to this right now saying great conversation, folks really appreciate it. What are three things I should do right now in light of multiple crises throughout the world? We've kind of touched on these, but any, any final words of advice, Fred, that you would give people? Well, I would go back and to your question on on one, understand your global threat assessment. Two, do you have your tripwires or your warnings and indicators set up to cause any kinds of shifts in those? And three, uh, challenge those assumptions that you may have uh you know, incorporated into those assessments from two, three years ago, because, you know, we are in a very dynamic kind of phase here. Right. That's I mean, that's gold right there, because you're right. I mean, we could be in a company that at one time was seen as a shining star of the West in capitalism. But has that changed? And then over time, what maybe juxtapose that with what we feel the collective of our employee base or the micro cultures within our company are thinking as well. And I've, Ross, I've heard you say that before as well. So what, what would you add to Fred's uh, comments there, Ross? Uh, they were, they were really excellent. They, you know, there's not a great deal to, to add Fred's to like, those. Of course they were. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think be- because of what we see now with mis- and disinformation, I think it really is critical to have your, trusted sources identified and ready to go for various different locations various different types of incidents you know understand where you're going to get your information and your intelligence from at the start so that you've got a baseline there's nothing worse than going into something and thinking okay now i need to find like the the best social media accounts i know are trustworthy to follow this situation because you because there's so much information now trying to wade through that so whether that's with great technology solutions that are available or whether you're doing that manually yourself um i I think that's really important yeah i a couple things that i would add to that one is i i think you both if we we've all kind of mentioned this i mean look there's global issues have local problems global problems result in local problems too don't forget that what's happening overseas, regardless of whether it's Russia, Ukraine, Israel, Hamas, you, you name your hotspot, um, they could they could have ramifications locally, you know, and things that don't have anything to do with you, you know, a, uh, a riot or a protest could pop up near your building that has nothing to do with you, but it still could disrupt 
you and your activity. The other thing I, I would think is don't get tunnel vision. You can get so focused on the thing in front of you that you, you we fail. I don't want to call it a black swan, but you just fail to see what would they say the gray gray rhino that's about to run you over. And that might not be another major geopolitical issue. That could just be it could be a ransomware attack. It could be a supply chain disruption. It could be any number of things. You've had a gas leak in a building and in the place where you're creating microchips has gone down. I mean, so you must maintain some type of overlook on on the threat environment. And then don't let perfection get in the way of response. And I don't mean don't accept anything less than quality, but don't you can't always wait for a hundred. You're never going to get a hundred percent of the picture. So you, as Colin Powell once said, if you get 70%, at least you have something to move forward and you can adjust in flight. So I think about those. Um, but yeah, this has been great, Ross. We we appreciate uh, you staying up and and hanging out with us for a little while. Um, how do people? How do I mean? It's easy to find Fred and I. I mean, how do how do people follow you and and where can they find you to to get a little bit more of this? Maybe follow the the pestle and mortal and mortar, yeah, if yeah. you will. Uh, yes, if you go to the Insight Forward LinkedIn page or website, then uh, you can find you know lots of interesting reporting. Hopefully. We do a weekly newsletter that's free if people want to uh, sign up for that as well. Um, yeah, so feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. But pleasure to be here. Uh, Honour to be with uh, you and and Fred and talk today. Yeah, thanks, Fred. Any last words? No, no. Thank you so much for, for taking the time to do this with us today, Ross. Uh, this conversation uh, that Chuck and I have had over the past uh, 45 minutes or so is something we we do all the time. So it was a true honor it's, for you to join us. It, it would only be better, Ross, if you're here and we're having barbecue. And then it would be, it would be <laughs> awesome. Gentlemen, thank you so much both. Uh, and we will chat soon. This episode was brought to you by the Ontic Center for Connected Intelligence. Learn more at ontic.co slash center. Again, that's ontic.co backslash center. It was produced by AJ McKeon. Our music is a track called Monteverde Ride, and it was written by Brian Bristow and performed by the Smokin' Novas. Check them out on Spotify. Please remember to rate and review our podcast on iTunes and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have questions, we'd love to hear them. You can reach us at podcast at ontic.co or visit ontic.co backslash center for more information. Thanks for listening. <laughs>